Well, good morning. As we start, I have just one thing to say, and that is, do, 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 it's Christmas. So let's rejoice, because Christmas, I, I loved that. The kids up here just rejoicing at the thought that the king was born, that he came into this world. It's Christmas, so we're going to talk about Jesus being born. Let's just pray before we do open God's word. Lord, we're, we're here, and uh, we are thankful to have your word. We are thankful that you use it to reveal yourself, to show us your plan, to show us your love. And we ask, Lord, that you would do that this morning, that all of us, wherever we're at in our spiritual journey, would see you in a deeper way, in a fresh way, and that we would respond to you and understand your love. And we just ask, Lord, that you'll show us that in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. You know, when I first met my, met my wife um, and we started spending time together and we fell in love, we wanted more than anything else just to be with each other. Being apart was just, that was the hard part of the day. We just wanted to be with each other. The problem was <laughs> she lived in Forest Grove and I lived in Gresham. If the traffic was even moderately bad, you're talking about an hour and a half, one way, just to be with each other. But, you know, it really didn't matter because whatever it took, we would endure, we would pay any price just because we wanted to be with each other. Being apart was grueling. We just wanted to be with each other. And this morning we're going to see that no matter how much I loved my wife and wanted to be with her. And you know, we're 40, over 40 years later now. And I can honestly tell you that today, my love for her has grown. I'd fly to the moon or I would swim across the ocean if that's what it took to be with her. And I know I can't do those things, but I doesn't mean I wouldn't try. And I want us to see that no matter what I would do to be with the one I love, God did do far more. No comparison to what he was willing to do to be with you. That's the message of Christmas. Christmas is God saying to you by sending his son to be born into this world, I love you. He's shouting at us, I want to be with you. I don't want to be separated from you. He's telling us that it breaks his heart to be separated from you. And whatever price has to be paid, however far he has to go, he'll do it. Because he wants to be with you. One of the places that the Christmas story shows up is in the Gospel of Matthew. And Matthew quotes from one of the prophets from the Old Testament. This prophet was writing this message from God more than 800 years before Jesus was born. It's a long time. And yet he gives these these promises from God about this this promised deliverer, this savior that God was going to send into the world. And we see the, the record, the historical records of Jesus coming into this world and those promises being fulfilled. And I want to, uh, to just read a couple of verses 
from what Matthew says to get us started. You'll remember in the story, Mary and Joseph are, are engaged to be married. And then Mary turns out pregnant. And God sends an angel in a dream to Joseph saying, hey, it's okay. It's okay. You can still take her as your wife because this baby is conceived by the Holy Spirit of God in her. It's okay. Take her as your wife. And then here's what it says. Whoops. I should get my... I might need this. Some more in that pocket with the other stuff. Here's what Matthew writes. It says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Isaiah, Jeremiah, others. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This morning, I just want us to spend a few minutes just exploring how amazing it is, how wonderful it is, how frankly shocking it is that the God of the universe who created it all, who sustains it all, who is sovereign over it all, that God wants to be with us. And he wants us to be with him. He wants a relationship with us. And so we're going to look at some scripture this morning that tells us how he did that. What lengths he went to so that he could be with us. We're going to see the details of why Jesus was born into this world. You know, we're going to answer questions like, what in the world was God doing sending his son into this world? What was his plan? More importantly, and I really think this is what moves my heart, is what was the desire, the motivation of our God for sending Jesus into this world? So we're going to spend most of our time just looking at this short scripture that helps us understand why was Jesus born. Let's read it. When the right time came, God sent his son. You know, when you first look at this passage, you wouldn't necessarily, this is a Christmas passage, but it's a Christmas passage. God sent his son, born of a woman subject to the law. God sent him, talking about Jesus, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law or to sin so that we could adopt, he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. It's an amazing scripture when you realize what this says about how God feels about you. So we spend a few minutes. We're going to consider three reasons that we see in this passage why Jesus was born into this world, why the God of the universe would send his son to be born as a human being to live for 33 years in this world. Why in the world would he do that? The first reason you see is that Jesus was born so he could die and pay the price for us, for our sins. You know, the idea here of buying freedom 
The word that most translations use is, he redeemed us. And the idea of buying freedom or redeeming something is to pay a price, to pay off a debt, so that someone can go free. You know, the, the, the readers of this letter, the, the first people who read this letter, in their culture, they would have understood this perfectly. Because debtor's prison was really common. If you couldn't pay a debt back... You were just thrown into prison. Your freedom was taken away. You were thrown into prison until you could pay the debt. Or you had to sell yourself into slavery to the one you owed the debt to until you were able to pay it off. Now, the Bible tells us that our rebellion toward God, our sin toward him, thinking that we know better than he does and we have a better plan for what's right and wrong and good and bad, that 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 deserves death. And the problem is, this penalty, this price, is one that is both physical death, but it's also spiritual death, which is the idea of being separated from God. Oh, that's what God doesn't want. He says he wants to be with us. But, but our sin has separated us from God, and God's heartbroken about that. It's important to notice here that this one who has been sent to free us, from our sins, that he's described in two ways here. First, we're told he's described as God's son. That's an indication that that this is the fully God. This is God who has come into this world. Secondly, it says he was born of a woman. That tells you that when he came into this world, he became fully human. So now you have fully God, fully human, And the only one who could come and free us from our sins had to be both. He had to be both. No one else except God in the flesh could live in this broken, messed up world where there's so much chaos and so much darkness and so much pain and suffering and frustration and do it without ever sinning. Jesus couldn't die for our sins if he had sins of his own. Only someone who was perfect and sinless could be a substitute for us. Otherwise, he needed to die for his own sins. But Jesus was fully God. And God never sins. God always does what is right. So he was fully God. But in order to die as my substitute and yours, he also needed to be fully human. He needed to have gone through and experienced all of the heartaches and frustrations and weaknesses that living in a human body brings. And to do it without sin. If he didn't do it, having experienced humanity, having truly been human, then he couldn't be our savior. He had to be fully God, son of God, fully man, born of a woman. Come into this world, both of those, if he was going to be our substitute. Only that person could be a substitute for me and for you. Could die in my place and have my sin and your sin put on him so that we could be set free. He freed us from not only the penalty of sin, that death, both physical and spiritual death separation from God. He freed us, he can free us from that, but he also frees us from In this life, the complete domination and slavery to sin. 
Jesus is able to, to change us, to transform us. And I don't know about you, but I'm really thankful for that. Because I get really frustrated with, with the, the, the attitudes of my heart that keep me from loving my wife and my kids and, and, and all of you the way I should. But Jesus is, is changing me. Oh, it doesn't happen all at once. But he's changing me. I'm not the man I was five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. And that's not because I've learned to be a good guy. That's because Jesus is at work freeing me from slavery and domination of sin in my life. And sin is so destructive, so I'm really, really, really thankful for that. When Jesus died on the cross, he was completely innocent and sinless. So he was able to be my sacrifice in my place. Thankful for that. It's another reason that this passage tells us that Jesus, Jesus died. So he died to free us. He died to bring us into relationship. But the question is, what kind of relationship does God want to have with you? He doesn't want you separated. He wants to be with you. We learned that right from the start from Matthew and the Old Testament prophets. That's why Jesus came, because God wants to be. But what kind of a relationship does he want with you? And the answer is, he wants you to be his child. Jesus was born so God could adopt you as his child. And you see that in the phrase, God sent him Jesus so that he could adopt us as his very own children. You know there are lots of different relationships. Lots of different kinds. Some people you're just an acquaintance with. Maybe you're a coworker. Maybe you enjoy a hobby together. Maybe uh, you're... You have a relationship with your employer. There are lots of relationships, friends, relatives, for good or for bad, right? And, and we have all kinds of relationships, but the relationship that God wants to have with me and with you is that he wants to adopt you as his child. That's an amazing, amazing thought. You know, the adoption is something that I've learned a little bit about. We have, Sherry and I have two sons. Both of them are adopted. And one of the things that I learned about adoption is that it is very, very costly. <laughs> we, we learned that in the process of adoption, you end up paying for all kinds of expenses, both for the mother and for the child even before they're born. You end up paying legal fees that just keep going and keep going until you've spent tens of thousands of dollars in the process of trying to adopt a child. And it's interesting because what if the child had to pay the price of adoption to create that relationship? Would there ever be an adoption? No, a baby who hasn't even been born yet, or some young child, they could never pay the price. They could never come up with tens of thousands of dollars to make an adoption happen, right? There would never be an adoption, and it's the same thing in our relationship with God. There is no way that you and I could ever pay the price necessary for us to be able to become a child of God. It's impossible. There's a second thing I've learned about adoption, and that is that a good father who adopts a child 
will love that child as deeply and as faithfully as if it was their naturally born child. You know, a little secret, if you haven't ever been through adoption, as a father, these thoughts go through your mind. You can't help, as you're going through that process, wonder if you will be able to love that adopted child in the same way, with the same depth and faithfulness that you would with a naturally born child to you. You wonder that. It goes through your mind. But today, as I look back, I kind of have to chuckle at myself. Because the truth is, I know deep in my heart there is no way that I ever could or would love Tyler and Travis more than I do now. It doesn't matter at all. They are my sons, and I love them. And natural born, adopted, it makes no difference. And in this culture that he was writing to, that was the law. An adopted child had every right exactly the same as a naturally born child. If you chose to adopt them, and my two boys, they have all that I have to give is theirs. And that's that's an interesting thing because that's the kind of relationship that that God wants with us. That's the kind of closeness and intimacy. He goes on to talk about this phrase the spirit of God prompts us to call out Abba Father. Now this term Abba Father, it was a term of endearment. It's an Aramaic term that was common in this culture. And it was, it was like a young child who sees their daddy across the room and, and they run to him hollering, saying, daddy, daddy, papa, papa. This is a closeness. This is an endearment. This is, this is a young child who wants to go crawl up in their father's lap because they know this father loves them deeply, unfailingly. This father is dependable. This father absolutely has their best interests at heart and will do everything he can to protect and provide for them. Now, I feel that way toward my boys. The unfortunate thing is, my character is flawed. So, as much as I want to love them perfectly, I can't do it. Sometimes I fail them. Sometimes I'm harsh with them when I shouldn't be. Sometimes, Lots of things, lots of ways that my character gets in the way of loving them perfectly. I have limited resources, right? I have limited knowledge. I have limited wisdom. I have, you know, limited resources in every sense. And so I can't meet all their needs. I might want to, but I can't. But remember this Abba Father, this Father who we can run to and know that his his arms are open, ready for us. This father is different. This father is the God of the universe. This father has resources that that I can only imagine having as a father. It's interesting here that there's one more thing that we're told Jesus was born to do. And that is, Jesus was born so God could make you his heir. Now let that sink in. The God of the universe 
who we're going to talk about some of the things that that means, who he is, in just a minute. But that he wants you to be his heir. That's the relationship he wants. So what's involved in that? Let's take a look here for a minute. Lost myself here. God's heirs have constant access to help them live life. Oh, my boys have access to who I am. That's sometimes good. That's sometimes bad. <laughs> right? But this is our Heavenly Father. These are just a few things. I just, made a, I just made a list quick off the top of my head. This is only, this is not even scratching the surface of who God is. But our Heavenly Father, He's always loving. He is perfectly forgiving. He's always truthful. He always does what is right. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-wise. He's generous. He's merciful. He's kind. He's the source of joy. He's the giver of peace. (laughs) This is the one who wants to be our Father, who wants to be with us, wants us to be with Him, and who invites us to crawl up in His lap and call Him Daddy. To trust him and rely on him like a young child understands their need for a father who can do those things for them. This is, this is the relationship he's calling us into. What a privilege to have a God who is, who is inviting us to that. You know, I don't know about you, but I look at that list and I think about what life in this world is like. And... I need a daddy like that. You know, as I think about trying to resolve conflict in my relationships with other people, and I think about how to have a a happy and fulfilling marriage, when I think about how to be a parent that my child needs, how to love them, how to discipline them, how to meet their needs, when I think about the difficulties and painfulness of unexpected circumstances that come into our lives. And we're watching some of our own people here go through very, very difficult things. We all face them at one time or another in our lives. When I think about myself and the struggles that I have with character issues and with habits and and the, the help I need to understand those, to be honest with myself about those and, and to overcome them, can't do that by myself. When I think about trying to experience joy and peace and, and, and fulfillment in life, we all want that, but how do I find that? Where am I? Who's, how am I going to get there? Right? And then you realize that the God of the universe who is all of those things, sorry, I'm pointing at the screen, I'll point this way. I can see him back there. You guys are looking this way. That that's our God. This is a father who is able to deliver on all the things I need most. All the things that I'm unable to do for myself because I'm like a little kid who just needs a daddy who is capable. And this is the relationship that our God is calling us into. I want to go a little bit further about this idea of God wants to make you his heir. Jesus came so that you could be not just his child, but his heir. Right? He says, since you are his child, he will make you his heir. Right? You know, an heir, you know, my boys are my heir, but, they, and, and that means they have access to a lot of who I am and what I have now, but 
they don't fully experience when you, you don't inherit stuff, right? Till somebody dies, right? And, and generally it goes to the children. And it's true here too. Only the children of God get to be beneficiaries of who he is and what he has. But with God, he doesn't have to die. God never dies. God's eternal. He never dies. So as his child, I don't have to wait till he dies to start experiencing all the benefits of being his heir. I get, I get to start experiencing, begin with those, experiencing those now. You saw this list of things here and, and he, I get to tap into those now, but it gets even better. I want to go to the end of the Christmas story. You're not going to recognize, you're going to think that's Christmas. Oh no, this is the end. If Jesus came, to free us from sin, to make us God's child, and to make us an heir of God. What's the end of the story? Here's the end of the story. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone, and I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look! God's home is now among his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain, for all these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I'm making everything new. This is why Jesus came. Now, the Bible goes on to tell us even more in general terms. This is just a taste. We don't know all of what that looks like, but that sounds pretty good to me. This is what the inheritance that we have to look forward to as children of God, to be with him in a place where those things are true. Why? Because there's no sin there. There's no sin there. It goes on in another place. The Bible says this about the inheritance Jesus was born to provide you. It says, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Those are his children. Those who have, who have responded to his love for them and loved him back. Why did Jesus, the son of God, come and humble himself, the creator of the universe becomes a part of creation. He, he comes and takes a body on and walks around on this chaotic, painful world for 33 years where there's nothing but crying and mourning and pain and suffering, all the things that there won't be one day that he, that he came to free us from. Why did he do that? Because he wants us to be with him in a place where none of that will be, ever. He came to buy us freedom. He came so that we could be adopted. He came so that we could be heirs of God and be with him for all eternity. It is really, really good news. 
I want to share with you if, if, if maybe you've never understood that this was what Christmas was about, that this is why Jesus came. I want to share with you a promise that is really good news. You say, well, I want to be a child of God. How does that happen? What does that look like? Here's the promise. To all who did receive him, Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus is the one who frees us. Jesus is the one who did all that needed to be done to pay the price, to pay the debt, to remove the barrier between us and our Heavenly Father so that we can come into relationship with Him, so that we can be adopted as His children, so that we can inherit relationship with this God who is the only one capable of filling the void in our heart, in our life, and meeting every need, whether it's now, but especially in the future, for all eternity. Jesus. It's receiving him. It's trusting him to do what he came to do for you. God doesn't force anyone to respond to him. He's demonstrated his love by sending Jesus. He's demonstrated his love by allowing Jesus to go to the cross and to be your substitute, to have your sin put on him so the price could be paid. And his righteousness, when you trust him, is put on you. And God sees you through the sinless perfection of Jesus. And then he begins to change you and transform you. To free you from slavery to sin. And that's a beautiful thing. It's one of the things I'm most thankful about. Is that I don't have to feel in my life here on earth. I'm looking forward to the day when I won't have to battle with sin anymore. We'll be in that place where there is no more sin and there's no more crying and pain. But I'm thankful that now Jesus is at work. Because when I see myself falling into sin, I see the destruction it causes. How it hurts other people. How it hurts me. And and how it grieves God. And I hate that. And left to myself, I'd have no victory over it. Only he can free me. Only he can change me. And he's doing that. And I'm so thankful for that. This morning... I just want you to think about what Jesus has done coming into this world, living for 33 years, and then dying so God could put your debt on him. If you've never received Jesus, you can do that right now. God knows the thoughts of your heart. God knows what you're thinking And you can tell him, yes, Jesus came for me. I want to be freed from my sin. I trust him and him alone to pay my debt. I trust him and him alone to reconcile my relationship with with you, God, and to bring me into relationship. I believe that you will make me your child. I believe that I will be an heir of all of who you are and all of what you've promised for the future. And I trust you. To change me. I want to follow Jesus with my heart and with my life because of who He is and how trustworthy He is.
You can do that right now. You can, you can express those things and it doesn't matter what words you use because God knows your heart. And I invite you to do that. Right now, don't wait. If God is speaking to you and maybe for the first time you've really understood what this whole Christmas thing is about, what this whole thing about Jesus is about, and you recognize that maybe you've been trying to be a good person, but you understand now that the debt is unpayable. You will never be able to be good enough to outbalance. It doesn't work that way. Sin has to be paid for, and Jesus paid it all. Make that decision today. If you need somebody to talk to, if you have questions, I'd love to. Or maybe you came with somebody, you have a friend who invited you. Talk to them. Don't let this opportunity pass if God is speaking to your heart. Let's just pray together. Lord, (laughs) it fills our heart with joy when we look at these things. Jesus was born. (laughs) Do, 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 do. It's Christmas. It is a reason to rejoice. And you have demonstrated so plainly how deeply and passionately you love us and want to be with us. Thank you that Jesus came. Thank you that he paid the price. Thank you that you want us to be your children and to be with you for all eternity. You are a good and wonderful God. And we love you for being who you are. Help us to celebrate Christmas with greater joy than we ever have before and to do it because of who Jesus is and what he's done. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.